This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about rotisserie chicken. Yes, it's uh, it's become a mainstay of the American family. What am I talking about? <laughs> wow, that I just, sounds so I exciting. I suddenly turned into, yes, just, wow. like, just like how this show has become a just, mainstay. Just of, like frozen peas uh-huh. and uh, what are th- uh, baked potatoes, um... Meatloaf. I feel like I'm doing an ad in the 80s. Yes, yeah. It, but instead of baked potatoes, how about stovetop stuffing? Oh, that'll bring all the kids to the yard. It'll bring all the, the kids yard. to the yard, yes. Okay, anyway. Along with the trampoline. Actually, it wouldn't be a bad idea to make stovetop stuffing with your rotisserie chicken and boom, really easy dinner. That would be a super this easy is dinner. Not, this episode is not sponsored by stovetop stuffing. Nor is it sponsored by Rotisserie Chicken Inc. No. Um, but, AKA Costco. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, rotisserie chicken. So, you know, I, I feel safe in saying that most of us... I'm glad you feel safe. This is a safe space. Oh, Matthew. Uh, most of us don't have a rotisserie at home. So when we think about rotisserie chicken, we think about chicken from the grocery store. Or if you are, I don't know, um, you know, in in countries that have, like, butcher shops where, sure. like, where people still go... <laughs> Okay. I feel like in the States, butcher shops are a dying breed, right? They are. I mean, we still have a few in Seattle. But, uh, well, to cut right to memory yes. lane, I think one of my first, like, truly, one of my first moments of feeling absolutely awed by the smell of rotisserie chicken, <laughs> which which is a really, like... Which is a thing you have many memories of? Well, no, but okay. just, like, roast chicken always smells really That's good, true. right? Yes. But But I remember... Um, this year that I was um, living and teaching in France, not far from my apartment, there was this market street and there was a butcher shop on it and they always would wheel their roti. It was like an electric rotisserie uh-huh. and they would sort of wheel it kind of into the doorway, like on the edge of the sidewalk. Like a lure. Yes. And so like the minute you would turn onto this street, you would just be pummeled in a very, a very pleasant way, a pleasant pummeling with the smell of rotisserie chicken. And they always put um, peeled like quartered potatoes in, in, in like this tray in nice. the bottom. Anyway, I think of that as um, bait. That's what it was. It was bait. bait. It's bait. 
But anyway, um, it was it was bait for you. I think for most of us listeners uh, in the U.S., um, I feel safe in saying that we think of rotisserie chicken as a thing we get at the grocery store. Yes. Oh, by the way, this episode was suggested by listener Allison. Thank you, listener Allison. Thank you. Um, my, I don't really remember what my first experience with Molly Bait, aka rotisserie chicken, was. <laughs> um, now it, you know how I've, to get me to the yard. Exactly. It must have been the '90s because that's when rotisserie chicken became the the biggest. Right? I mean, Has I mean, it gotten smaller? No, since no, no. Then? Like, like that's when it got huge. I is guess. What I, mean. I think that my first time ever really seeing it was, um, I worked at Whole Foods, um, like as a summer employee sure. when I was, gosh, when I was twenty and twenty one. But this was wait, was this the same time? This was like nineteen ninety eight. 99. But was, was this the time of the um, the bulk section incident? No, that was after I moved to Seattle right. when I no longer worked at Whole Foods. Uh, what episode was that from, Matthew? From the bulk bins episode. Yes. The bulk bin incident. <laughs> uh, very sexy way of talking about mm-hmm. it. Sexy danger. danger yeah, the, sexy. the bulk bin rendezvous. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, when I worked at Whole Foods for the first time, I think I was, it was like the summer that I was 20. I think it was maybe 99. And I worked in the prepared foods department. Uh-huh. I'm sure I've told a bunch of stories on this yeah, show definitely. about that. Anyway, one of the things that I was responsible for doing was the, like the hot case Oh, the hot case. The hot case. And we didn't have like a, a self-serve hot case. People would come up and I would serve them scoops of things. Okay. So someone... like So you were kind of like an upscale lunch lady. Yeah, basically. Okay. And anyway, one of the items was a rotisserie chicken that we just were... One. Just one. <laughs> and we were rotisserieing them one at a time right behind where the <laughs> hot you, case was. you had was. to crank it. Actually, no, there... Um, <laughs> Uh, no, there were some people from the back kitchen who would come bring wonderful, like marinated chickens and put them on the spit. And oh, wow. Put okay. them in the rotisserie. Anyway, I learned how to carve a, a chicken that way. Do by you want to do it today? Uh, no, not really. But it, it wasn't actually so much carving. It was cutting it into pieces to be sold. Right. I learned how to do that working at Whole Foods. I learned how to like cut down the breastbone, then cut the spine out. Okay. Yeah, and I think I've done this. I don't feel confident using about big it. like poultry shears yeah anyway but um i think i've told you about the like the the weird date i got asked on by one of our customers who served me a sprout salad and he, he this like, sure sounds he was, like something that would happen to he you he was a, a northern california new age music producer who was really into japan <laughs> and well, he had a tatami table in his in his like living room okay like and i we feel like eight this, this is like dinner at his tatami table i'm like already like 60 percent of this kind of asshole right <laughs> yeah, okay yeah. yeah just don't get into okay. new age music producing but anyway he used to come in and he would order a scoop of brown rice a scoop of these like roasted vegetables and mm-hmm. and a, a a chicken leg. He was a real three scooper. He was. He was a, a, a meat and one veg uh-huh. kind of guy. Anyway, but um, but yeah, I, I, well, yeah. I guess one of my first encounters with rotisserie chicken was as someone who was selling it. Okay. Well, a couple things. So first of all, you mentioned that most people probably don't have a rotisserie at home. Uh-oh, I can't think you? of it. No, I don't. I can't think of a specific example, but I think this was a thing that was a very brief fad, yes. like how everyone was buying fondue pots. Yes. Sometimes. This is like a QVC right. I wonder, 2 a.m. purchase. I suspect that of like all of the fad cooking devices, rotisseries may be the ones that most quickly went into hibernation on average. 
Yeah, like, well, because in order to, to properly rotisserie a chicken, by which we mean putting it on a spit and rotating it like in front of flames or over flames. E- well, or or like an electric heating element these okay. days. But usually a home cook... I mean, why do you need that when you can just light a fire on your kitchen floor and, <laughs> you know, set up set up some sort of jury-rigged spit roasting system and just go to town? So, by the way, listeners, we are, we are recording this in the midst of an epic windstorm. Uh, the power is out in my apartment. Uh, a telephone pole fell on Molly's kid's school or near it or something. And uh, we're running off of battery power and we might have to light <laughs> some candles. And I'm feverishly texting with, with all the various people in my family. Sure. Uh, so we may, uh, I mean, this, this may, we may have to like scuttle this at any time. Is that what scuttle means? Mm, hang on. Uh, scupper. Is that a thing? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Anilon. Anilon has a dozen lines of high performance kitchenware. Can and, you name them all, Matthew? Okay. There's the, the copper lux. There's the hard anodized. There's at least 10 others. The hard uh, anodized is the advanced collection, Matthew. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the advanced collection, the Nouvelle <laughs> Copper, and many, many more. Really, no, they're, they're all they're all reasonably priced. They are absolutely like solid, great performers. They heat evenly. Yeah, these these are not like those flimsy nonstick pans that no. I know all of us have. You know, maybe like our very first set of cookware was that stuff. No, it's not that. This is hard, durable, heavy. You're going to have this cookware for your lifetime. Right. And, but it it's not priced like that lifetime cookware that you're thinking of. Are we naming too many things in our minds? Oh, uh, no. I mean, I, I didn't say it. Oh, good. Okay. Listener, you can shop Anilon's cookware sets, baking tools, even pasta makers, and culinary torches for you, you uh, creme brulee makers, <laughs> all at Macy's. Anilon, designed for creativity in the kitchen. You know, Matthew, it occurs to me that some of my uh, my chronology might be unclear to the listener in case they're tra- really trying to follow along and, and place these rotisserie chicken experiences on on like the timeline of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to be clear, I think that that the Whole Foods came before the the Market Street with the Molly bait, but in between the two. There was my host mother serving me roast chicken that she had bought at the nearby butcher shop when I um, was living with a host family in France. And I had told them that I was a vegetarian, but somehow they truly believed, no matter what I explained to them, that being a vegetarian just meant that you only ate things with two or fewer legs. <laughs> and, and so she would frequently, like on a night when she was too busy, she would she would like hop down to the butcher shop down the street and get a rotisserie chicken and some sauerkraut that they had like cooked in chicken drippings. That sounds good. And it was so delicious. And of course, like I didn't have the heart to be like, no. I don't know why I got us two spoons to eat this. Why? Yeah, why do we have spoons? Well, I got one spoon for the soy sauce. Okay. So, Yeah. For everyone who's following along, now you can place these things on the timeline. Speaking of the timeline, can I tell you a little about the history of rotisserie chicken? Please. Okay. I learned I learned a lot, but there are also a lot of holes in my knowledge. So, oh, so what we've made here to eat 
for lunch, uh, the thing of which you can have none, is a, uh, a bowl of pulled rotisserie chicken on rice with soy sauce. And, and scallions. And tell me about this rotisserie chicken, Matthew. Oh, this is from uh, QFC. It is a QFC brand rotisserie chicken. It's the savory roasted flavor. It doesn't have any like special uh, lemon pepper or whatever flavorings. I've never used lemon pepper. I know lemon pepper is a popular seasoning. Hmm. By which I mean, I guess I haven't used it either. Okay. Okay. Oh, the, the history of rotisserie chicken. The two of us are having a really tough time talking mm-hmm. and doing this the show. Talking is, and doing this, the show? This is one of our, our less organized episodes. Well, we're, we're coming to you from the eye of a storm. Like, literally. I think things have died Matthew, down a little bit. people who have actually lived through hurricanes are, are, are totally going to resent your saying that. Well, it was a, it's a pretty big windstorm. It's not a hurricane. That's I didn't true. say I it mean, was a hurricane. That's true. My kid w- is currently being picked up at school because there's like a telephone a, pole that's about to fall. I, I am grateful that this is not a hurricane, but also it's annoying. How about that? That's great. That's great. Okay, okay Matthew. So, give me a little some bit history. about the, the the history of the rotisserie. Oh God. Um, okay, so the word rotisserie comes from French, obviously. Spit roasting is as old as antiquity. As mm. long as we mm-hmm. know about human settlements, <laughs> they were roasting chickens. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or something. But yeah, you can you can rotisserie a lot of things, like a whole lamb. Yeah, so let me let me tell you a little about this. Okay. In medieval cuisine and early modern kitchens, the spit was the preferred way of cooking meat in a large household. This is from Wikipedia. A servant, preferably a boy, sat near the spit turning the metal rod. I think they mean preferably a child, not preferably a uh, male um, child, male but I'm not child? sure. Hmm. A servant, preferably a boy, sat near the spit, turning the metal rod slowly and cooking the food. He was known as the spit boy or spit jack. Mechanical Mm -hmm. turn spits, roasting jacks, were later invented, first powered by dogs on treadmills, and then by steam power and mechanical clockwork mechanisms. Wow. I kind of don't believe any of this, but I hope it's true. Can you imagine? Like, you go to the Boston market. Is this from Wikipedia? It is from Wikipedia. Do you think that that they just haven't found this error yet? It could be like we've got a jokester, a merry prankster, but Mm -hmm. I want to believe. Dogs on treadmills? Right, that you go to your local lo- local chicken shack and and there's like a pack of dogs running on a hold, treadmill. Hold on, do we really believe that treadmills came before steam power and mechanical clockwork mechanisms? Because that's uh, what this implies. I, what, what, would a treadmill have been like? A, I, I think so. You really do? Well, do you think like, that that early early uh, industrial humans were interested in exercising while standing in one place? No, I think that's that's an adaptation. The exercise treadmill is an adaptation of an earlier device just for powering things. Okay. So like like the like the bike at the farmers market that that powers a blender. Exactly like that. That <laughs> that predated all of this. <laughs> but originally it powered a rotisserie. So <laughs> Commercial rotisserie cooking can be traced back to Paris restaurants in the mid-15th century. Were you there at the time? <laughs> I was not. Okay. Um, warning, if you look up spit roasting on Wikipedia, the first oh, result is God. sex position. Uh, Are you see? I mean, that's the first result? That was the first result. 
That is distressing to me, given uh, that I've never heard of this sex position. Well, I think with almost no imagination, uh, you can imagine. <laughs> uh, rotisserie chicken as a way to lure people into stores, however, has been around since the 1930s. Possibly people thought they were being lured in for a sex position, um, and then, but then like, mm, chicken. <laughs> good, good enough. Um, but the, they really exploded, like literally, in the 1980s with... Mm. Boston Market. Boston Market. So I remember when I first moved to Seattle, this is my memory lane now. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm reclaiming memory lane here. So when I first moved to Seattle, there was a Boston Market where there is now a big Starbucks on Olive Way on Capitol Hill. And I don't, I think maybe we got like takeout from there once, mm -hmm. which probably involved a rotisserie chicken since that was their main thing. That and like holiday orders were huge for them. I think probably still are. We don't have a Boston Market near us anymore, but it does still exist, right? I've never eaten anything from Boston Market. I feel like it's one of those things that has existed at like the periphery of my consciousness for a long time. Mm -hmm. And well, yet I've never really proven that it that it actually exists. Well, when it first started, it was called Boston Chicken. Oh. And well, then they right changed to the name the to Boston Market when they stopped selling chicken. No, they still sell chicken. And then then what happened? When did grocery stores get in on the game? So grocery stores got in on the game starting in the 30s, but didn't it didn't really become like an enormous industry until the 90s. Um, Costco has been selling them since 1985, and Costco is still one of the nation's largest sellers of chicken in, in rotisserie form. And they've kept their price at $4.99 forever. That is really distressing to me. Oh, it gets worse. Okay, so there's this great article by Karen Klein from Priceonomics.com that we'll link to. And here's what I learned. First of all, Americans buy over a billion rotisserie chickens per year. A, a billion? A billion. And there is a... Wait, how many people... What's the population of the U.S.? Like 340 million, I think. Holy cow. So that's three... three everyone gets person. three. It's three chickens in every pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and a, a few more in the garage. Mm -hmm. um, and some in the car for some reason. Go so, on, Matthew. Okay. So there's this myth about rotisserie chickens. I feel like I'm getting really like worked up about this. That, uh, that, we need to, that needs to be debunked over and over, which is people love to spread the story that uh, rotisserie chickens are just chickens from the meat department that are uh, past date or about to go past date. And so uh, the store like sends, sends like a crack SWAT team over there to like grab the expiring chickens and rush them onto, skewer them onto the rotisserie. And Wait, uh, What do they actually do with those chickens? Oh boy, I didn't think about that. I was kind I of wondering know. if they they hand them over to like the prepared foods area and make them into things like chicken soup or chicken salad. I think that's salad probably or... part of it, and I think pet food is probably also part of it. But mm, I don't know. Okay. That that could be a whole separate supply chain. Speaking of supply chains, <laughs> rotisserie chickens are a whole separate supply chain. They are they are smaller than the chickens sold in the in the meat department, which are largely broiler chickens. The the rotisserie chickens are smaller fryer chickens, like two pounds, two to two and a half pounds, whereas the ones in the meat department are like four and a half to five and a half pounds. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm they're not the same chicken. Always looking for smaller ones. Yes, me too. And they they come in like pre uh, like injected with stuff to plump them up and make them more tender and let you sell let the store sell water for the price of chicken. Mm, great, great. I love that. Mm -hmm. Huh. Okay. And you know, I know that some like high end grocery stores sell organic rotisserie mm -hmm. chickens. Somehow, I still feel sus like suspicious of this. 
I think like I've seen too many videos about like battery chickens mm. uh, and it just seems to me that if we are selling that many rotisserie chickens in the U.S. every year, those are chickens who've been packed in cages. Oh, you're absolutely right. OK, a little more on the economics, then we'll get into what Costco is up to. OK, so um, Costco's rotisserie chickens, uh, which they've been they've held at four ninety nine for as long as they've been selling them. Those are a true loss leader. They are probably if not actually losing money, not making more than a few pennies on each one. Okay. Um, the the goal, as with all rotisserie chickens, is to get people to come into the store mm-hmm. and for the rotisserie chicken and buy other stuff, and particularly buy other stuff to go with the chicken. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a uh, I found a quote from uh, from the Wall Street Journal from a grocery executive, Don Fitzgerald of Mariano's, said, "If they get a chicken, a salad, and maybe they pick up a bottle of wine, now we're really talking." Ooh, so yeah. Don Fitzgerald is a guy who really knows how to have fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd go to his house if if he if that was what he picked up—a chicken, dinner. a salad, and a, and a bottle of wine. Yeah, if, so. if he came up to you and you were working at the prepared foods <laughs> counter. <laughs> held up this I bottle take, of wine. I take it back. Okay. I, I take it back. So um, uh, I wanted to learn a little more about Costco's rotisserie chicken. Uh, what I found was pretty upsetting. Uh, first of all, when I when you, when I started to Google it, uh, one of Google's suggested questions, you know, sometimes they come up with that little box of like, are you asking this, <laughs> yeah. was, does Costco have rotisserie chicken? <laughs> Which was like, uh, does it bear shit in the woods? It is, like, exactly. this, this is what I'm going to start saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> does Costco have rotisserie chicken? Costco is currently building a $300 million chicken factory in Nebraska. Oh, this upsets me. Uh, what do we do about this, Matthew? What is spilled milk going to do about this? Um, this is one of those parts of the show where Molly gets distinctly unfunny. Abby, can you edit that part? <laughs> oh! <laughs> no! Hey, this show's got to take on some heavy-duty stuff, Matthew. Do we? I don't know. I mean, we're already discussing whether to delete Facebook. Aren't we doing enough? Okay. Okay, Yeah, listeners, fine. do you think we should delete Facebook? I think so. I think we should, too. I mean, listeners, I got rid of my Facebook uh, like a month ago, and I have to say, every now and then, my fingers just of their own accord want to like start typing Facebook in- into like my Google Chrome Oh, yeah, for sure. Bar. Just because I, I don't want to do my work. Oh, yeah. But otherwise, I have not regretted getting rid of it for a second. And in fact, I felt rather smug and virtuous. Of course. I mean, that's the whole point. Right. Why um, else does anyone delete Facebook? So, No, uh, I'm serious. Do you? Yeah. We, we should probably just pull pull the ripcord on yeah. this and, and jump out of this and, plane. And yeah, hopefully we with have our a parachute. parachutes on. Well, maybe. Um, do you buy rotisserie chicken? And I, if so, mm. when? I don't and buy rot- why? I don't buy rotisserie chicken in part because I don't know I somehow feel like I'm um it kind of skeeves me out to see it sitting there steaming under a plastic lid. I'll be honest. Mm, I'm just I can't stop chewing. It's okay. I while you were talking about priceonomics I I just housed all my chicken and rice. Good. I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like that there's a food safety issue here yes. which is that not not so much. I think they do a good job of keeping I'm them at sure a safe temperature do. in the store. Yes. The thing is, how do you get them out of the danger zone fast enough once you take it out of the store? I think they well, mostly sit around at the worst possible temperature. Well, and if the other thing is, so so the danger zone, quote unquote, in food safety terms mm-hmm. is... A term coined by uh, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to learn more about it, just watch Top Gun. Uh-huh. 
that's one of the most exciting movies about food safety. <laughs> that that and The Purge, which I assume is about a lot of people getting salmonella and throwing up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, the danger zone is is it 40 or 41 degrees to 140 degrees? I learned. It's in there. Wait, did you say is it 40 or 41? <laughs> I can't remember. I learned it as 40 to 140. 40 to 140 degrees. If your food is in that zone, it can only stay there for up to four hours, and then you need to throw it away. I thought it was two hours. I thought it was four. Well, maybe it's four hours for only certain things. Okay. I haven't done my, I, I let my food handler's permit expire. Don't listen to us, for God's sake. But anyway, um. Um, uh, yeah. So basically, wait a minute, Matthew, when you say that you think the store is doing a good job of keeping it out of the danger zone. Yeah. So you think it's keeping the chicken above 140 degrees? Yeah. Yeah. I do. But then aren't we just overcooking the chicken like rapidly? I mean, even mm. though that's below a cooking temperature, isn't it doing something to the proteins? Isn't it going to like dry it out? Or Well, here's the thing. It is so injected with, oh. uh, you know, Polymers. polymers. I was going to say polymers too. <laughs> Polyphenols. You know, with with the stuff that makes it like like brine. Yeah. Um, you know, to to make it retain moisture for exactly that reason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But then then you bring it home, and I venture to guess that most people who bring it home uh, keep it with the lid on. And just stick the whole thing in the fridge. And then they stick the whole thing in the fridge where the temperature very, very slowly drops into the danger zone and stays there for a long time because the danger zone is a pretty wide window of temperatures. I bet that Seattle lawyer who who does all the food safety lawsuits has written about this. Bill Marler. Oh, okay. I mean, I never hear anything about it. I I think that, um, I mean, I've encountered plenty of of roast chicken like rotisserie chicken when eating with friends or eating at a potluck or whatever mm-hmm. and nobody seems to be worried about it well but i mean are nobody people are people ever worried really about worried about things. the right things that's, that's true. <laughs> not often that's true i know we're all we're all like worried about about the fact that we're gonna die someday but <laughs> no, no i mean <laughs> i don't know but, like but but we can't help it we're going to I mean, sometimes I didn't mean like existential worries. <laughs> okay. okay, I meant okay. like, are you worried about the right things that might kill you in a stupid way? Did I tell you about the conversation that June and I had a couple weeks ago about my dad's death? Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> anyway, she wanted to know about it in like a lot of detail, like what did he look like and all of those things. But then it's good that people are finding out what a barrel <laughs> of fun you are before they set up their lure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, I was really proud of myself for just staying like just staying calm and answering her questions in a matter of fact way and telling her like that there's nothing like scary about about what someone looks like when they're dying. Oh, God, this is a combination. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not done. But but the best part was that at the end, after we'd gotten all the way through when he died and then she wanted to know, like, did somebody come pick him up and what did it look like when they picked him? Up and no, all this is things. good that we're that we're talking about this. Okay, but then she said, and then did they burn him up? <laughs> I said, I, I said, feel bad laughing said, at that. I said, oh, you mean cremate him? And she said, yeah. And and I said, or yes. like put him and... on a boat in like like a Viking funeral, <laughs> yeah, funeral pyre. Is yeah, actually pyre, what I yeah. was thinking. But no, the best part is I've told you about about her learning about our dog Jack, who was also cremated. I think so. 
I think June once asked Brandon, like, where Jack was. And this was after she had already asked me where Jack was. Oh, of course. And I had told her that, story that Jack was, was cremated and that he was in a, a wooden box. And she asked where the wooden box was. And I said that Daddy had taken it to Dino's so that Jack could watch over Dino's. Because Jack always wanted a job. Like, Jack was a terrier and he needed a job. This dog had way too much intelligence to just be a dog. I have a food handling question. <laughs> anyway, anyway, hold on. But then later, Brandon texted me that June had said, where's Jack? And Brandon said, oh, well, he died. And June goes, well, I thought he was in a box at Dino's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you maybe left something out. <laughs> was, I'm breaking a sweat. Yeah. Um, I'm burning up. Okay. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the hair color specialists at Madison Reed. Madison Reed is a professional hair color you can easily do at home, and it's multi-tonal, ammonia-free, and made with ingredients you can feel good about. You know what I like about it? It is crafted in Italy by master colorists. <laughs> Uh, you can get it delivered right to your door. I mean, that's the thing. You don't have to go out to a salon. You don't have to buy a box. It comes to your door. Yeah. Can I tell you, I once, I once got into the, the hair dye game. You I don't, I don't mean did? like I was, I was an entrepreneur. I mean, <laughs> oh. so, I mean, I got my hair dyed blue at a salon. Okay. Um, Madison Reed, I don't believe has blue available. That's not where I'm going with this. What happened was afterwards though, it faded and got like light green and like like chlorine colored and yeah. gross. And yeah. so I had to use some drugstore hair color to cover that up and oh, turn it back to Matthew, brown. I don't feel good about this. No, it smelled awful. I It was a miserable experience. I wish Madison Reed had been around. Well, Matthew, if they had been around, you could get an expert color consultation or take the color quiz at madison-reed.com. Yes. And if they'd been around, I could have gotten 10% off plus free shipping on my first color kit with the code Spilled milk. That's code spilled milk at madison reed.com. So back to our roast chicken episode. So, anyway, rotisserie chicken. Yes, rotisserie chicken. So, um, yeah, how is it that, that people aren't getting sick from this all the time? I mean, I guess the truth oh, we're is. we're still out to that? Okay. The truth is, is, you know, we're constantly eating like bacteria. And I guess maybe. Wait, yeah, sure. We are. <laughs> also, like, how. How does rice in a rice cooker, like, does it only stay, is it above 140? Yes, it keeps, a rice cooker will keep rice out of the danger zone. Rice is one, is like a high it, risk Yeah, it food is, so is pasta, will, potatoes. Um, that will get nasty real fast, but you don't know, to, you don't, people don't know this, yeah. I think. I, yeah, people. It seems harmless. It does. But yeah, rice and pasta, potatoes. It's weird. These starches, you think of proteins as being dangerous. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like a moisture, like, they're just real good bacteria chow yeah okay what um, were we saying so uh, why so why don't I, people get sick for the, well I, I mean for any given like high risk food it won't make you sick most of the time like right? raw eggs right and so like that. it's just that some things are much higher risk than others and i'm sure people are getting sick from badly stored rotisserie chicken i'm sure that we have all gotten like sick in a minor way from all kinds of things and not realized that that was what was happening <laughs> My name is Matthew, and I'm here to say <laughs> I just got sick in a minor way. Um, I, yeah. Anyway, Matthew, it, it's this like, is all go on. Yeah, if you go on, if you go on Yelp, you know, you can see that people are, are have really strong opinions about exactly what was the thing that made them sick. Yeah. But like when they actually look into this, that they're almost never right. Yeah. So. 
It's I pretty guess, much so, always rotisserie chicken. So it turns out it's always chicken. been <laughs> romaine lettuce and rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, Matthew, we got onto this <laughs> this train of of this, <laughs> this train, train of rack discussion. Of <laughs> train of discussion. This train of discussion. We yes. got onto this train of discussion because you asked me, um, "Do I ever buy rotisserie chicken?" And I said, "No." I do occasionally. Okay, tell me more about it. I bought one today for the show. Yeah, and it's really tasty. Mm-hmm. I, when um, I had some family out here uh, in the late summer, and they had rented a little house on Whidbey Island, and I went up and spent the night with them one night, and they had bought a rotisserie chicken from like the Red Apple Market mm-hmm. in uh, Coopville, and. I don't know what the deal was with this chicken, but it was the most delicious chicken I've ever had. I'm sure that it was filled with polymers. Right. It was wonderful. Like, had you been, like, driving all day and you were really hungry? Mm, I had been out hiking. There you go. But they, this was the second night in a row that they had bought it because it was so delicious. I believe Briat Savarin said hiking is the best sauce. Um, Wait, what did he? What did I he think actually? hunger is is the best sauce. But it might have been a Scoffier or some other dead French guy. Okay, I don't know okay. who probably died in a chicken incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the thing about them that I like is uh, they are well seasoned. Yes. Yeah, I think especially if you were buying it to use it in some sort of a preparation that's like a sauce or a soup or something where you're not too worried about the chicken maybe being a little bit dry. Right. Um. The I think thing it's that a, I will, it's a great idea. Yeah, the thing I, th- that I'm most likely to use it for is enchiladas. Oh, this I feel totally like when makes sense. When I'm making sense. enchiladas, I mean, often I will start with raw chicken, but like sometimes I just like I want to make some enchiladas, and like cooking and shredding chicken feels like just one step beyond what I can handle right now. Right. And rotisserie chicken is perfect for that. Yes. Um, this pot makes pie sense. Also, like if you want to ah. whip up a pot pie. I've never made a pot pie. I have a few times. Okay. Uh, Anything else? So you mentioned soups, and I feel like almost all the time if I'm going to make a chicken soup – there, there's a thing that I that I do, not that I invented this idea, that is almost as easy as using a rotisserie chicken, but a tastier result. Okay. Um, which is, I will like take a couple of chicken thighs, brown them, and then uh, like simmer them in some canned chicken broth, or okay. better than bouillon or whatever. Okay. Um, so you get some fresh chicken flavor in there, and then and then take the chicken out and shred it. Yes, this absolutely um, it makes adds sense. A little, it adds a little bit of time, but it's worth it. Yeah, this makes total sense. I hadn't thought about browning the chicken first. That makes so much, That that's such a good idea. And yeah, but I mean, if you skip the browning, it's also good. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is you're wrong. It's a bad idea. Okay. Do we have anything else to say? I don't think so. That was a real whirlwind. That was. I, mean, I feel like I think, we went so many places in I feel this like episode. What, maybe what it, happened the train is, of our discussion... It it crossed the whole I think world. You know how sometimes um like in a Stephen King book, like a storm isn't just a storm, it's like a supernatural like demon yeah. energy or something. I think that might be what's going on with this windstorm. Like it brought kind of a, a dangerous energy to the to the show today and things got dark, literally and figuratively. Wow. That's what I think happened. What's your theory? Um yeah, I mean, I think that we're just like a little bit disorganized today. <laughs> I, yeah.
This episode was brought to you by Analon. Analon's wide selection of kitchenware combines innovative technologies with durability, performance, and style, and they give you a lifetime warranty. So shop their cookware sets, baking tools, even pasta makers, and you Culinary guessed it. Culinary torches! All at Macy's. Analon, designed for creativity in the kitchen. Listeners, what do you think? <laughs> Facebook.com slash podcast, unless we've deleted it by now. <laughs> Also, SpilledMilkPodcast.com, which isn't going anywhere. We love our audio host. Matthew, are there any recipes we should give today? Hmm. Uh, are there, is there anything hmm. we should link to? I mean, I'm sure, I, I like, I found a BuzzFeed article about, like, 30 great things to do with a rotisserie chicken. Oh, okay. We could link to that. Sure. I don't know. I, um, maybe, I, I bet I could I never... find or write up an enchilada recipe that would work for this. I'm pretty sure that you have one in your first book, don't you? I do, but it's based, it's not based on rotisserie chicken, but I could adapt it. I would yeah, do that sure, for you. Yeah, sure, just do that. Uh, wait, can I ask a question about BuzzFeed? Oh, please. So I never know, you know, BuzzFeed is like famous for its lists and quizzes and stuff. I never know like whether it's like legit. Like if somebody has an article published on BuzzFeed, is legit, it, just, is it like, just bullshit? Am I really this modern family character or not? <laughs> Is that what you're wondering? No. I'm just wondering if BuzzFeed exists only to be clickbait and to be a nonsense time suck, or if there are real pieces of like journalism. It's both. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, they've done like real, like serious investigative political reporting. They also will publish a list of like, here's 25 random chicken recipes we found. And also, I think I really am cheaty from the good place. <laughs> So Okay. I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. Listeners, you can weigh in on it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, BuzzFeed.com. <laughs> and I don't think they allow comments, which is a good move. Yeah. Um, but we do. So go to SpilledMilkPodcast.com and let us know uh, what do you like to do with a rotisserie chicken. Like, Hey, did, are, have you produced any New Age albums lately? Have you produced any New Age albums? Have you produced a John Tesh or a Yanni? Or also, a, do you think... And yeah, the is vegetarianism that new includes like eating two-legged creatures. What, do what you are think? some other two-legged creatures oh, besides birds? Um, it, well, a squirrel when it's eating something. Okay. <laughs> so so you, if you are a vegetarian and you want to eat a squirrel, you have to sneak up on it when it's nibbling on a nut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just devour it whole. Okay. So yeah, birds, so poultry. Stephen King, you can have that one. <laughs> I'm Matthew Amsterburton. I'm Molly Weisenberg. What do you want? I want to pick some meat off. Pick some meat off. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.